about a decade ago, my pastor invited me to a breakfast with two guys from our church. One who was a few years older than me, and he was the assistant principal at a fairly large high school in the area. The other was a new teacher who I was good buddies with. And I think the pastor invited me along just because I was buddies with the younger teacher. And I'm a teacher myself. So really the conversation was centered around my buddy, who is the young teacher, talking to the vice principal. And finally, our pastor looked at me and said, Hey, Kev, how long have you been a teacher for? And then I said, around 20 years. And then he asked, so when are you planning to become an administrator? And I just laughed a little bit and I said, never. Teachers, are your digital assignments getting lost in the black hole of a digital folder? Can I suggest a solution? FanSchool. FanSchool is a safe and social learning network where students own and share their learning. Think of FanSchool as a digital bulletin board for your students' work. Take a look. Go to fan.school today. That is fan.school. And imagine what your classroom space will look like on FanSchool. Welcome to your parent-teacher conference, where a 24-7 parent and full-time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. Hello and welcome to your parent-teacher conference. This is Coach Cullen, your host, and today we're going to look at what makes a good principal. From the point of view of a veteran teacher, I mean, let's be honest, I've been teaching for over 30 years. I'm not just a veteran teacher. I would say I am in the winter of my teaching career. I am a lot closer to retirement than I was to that first day in the classroom. And I hope what I have to say will make you think, both as a parent, measuring up your child's principle to the things I have to say, or if you're a teacher, thinking about the principal that you work under. And if you're an administrator, be it a principal, vice principal, superintendent, whatever. Maybe hearing from a teacher about what they think good principals do well and what they should avoid, maybe it will start making you think about your own practice with your own faculty. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or any other ideas that I may miss in this episode, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. That's P as in parent, T as in teacher, C as in conference, podcast 411. That is all one word at gmail.com. If you, if you think other people should hear this, other teachers that you work with, some parents that you know, heck, if you think your principal needs to hear this, Please feel free to share this. Tell them. Look up the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. They can find it on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, and on Amazon Music. And of course, feel free to retweet this if you found it on Twitter or share it out if you found it on Facebook. So my buddy, the young teacher, 
Actually, today is an administrator. He's a great, and he's a great one. He really has in his mindset the idea, I want to do what's best for kids. And he's very energetic. He's one, and that's one thing I'm going to say right away, that the best administrators I've ever worked for, and I never worked for my buddy that I'm talking about. He is now an, he actually has a, he's a doctor, he's a doctor, you know. The funny thing is, you go talk to him, he's still so down to earth. But the 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 thing that I take away from him and seeing how he approaches the job and I think about principles I've worked under is you can never say as a teacher that you work harder than them. And I think that's really important. If your staff feels that you're telling them to do more and then they look at you and you're eating Klondike bars in your office most of the day. Yeah, that's that's not going to be a motivating factor. But if they see you putting in the extra effort, being excited about what's happening at your school, pitching in when they can, that is infectious. Now, the story I started with about that conversation at the diner, it didn't just end with me saying never, that I never would want to be an admin. I went on to explain that, you know, teaching is different than other jobs. Like in in the corporate world, right, you do a good job, you're going to be promoted. That the next step is you're going to be the manager over a group of people that do the same job you were just doing because you know how to do it well and you've earned that promotion. But it's not that way with teaching. Just because you're a good teacher doesn't mean you'll be promoted to an administrator's position. I mean, one of the things is you need licensing. But being a teacher and being a principal are two different jobs, right? One is a manager of adults and getting adults to set forth your vision. And as a teacher, it's about the content. It's about the academics that you're trying to instruct your students. I I just think it's very different. One of the things that several principals have told me that they miss, like my longtime principal that I worked with in my current job who retired a few years ago, he would often wander into my classroom, watch them and things going on. The bell would ring, the kids would leave, and he would just turn to me and say, I miss this. I miss being in the classroom with kids. Remember, as a principal, most of your time is dealing with adults, be that your staff, be it the maintenance crew, be it the parents, right? And with a teacher, most of your time is working with kids. And to be honest, some teachers don't want to work with mostly adults. They enjoy their time with the kids. Like for me, I always say it keeps me young. I I mean, I guess as principal, what I wouldn't want to do, and this is why they get paid the big bucks, is they have to deal with a lot of conflict, right? Conflict between students, conflict between parents and parent, parent and teachers, conflict between parents and the principal and I just can't you know it's not worth the money for me to deal with all that conflict 
If a position came up, I mean, there are like coaching positions. I would consider that. That that would be one that would perhaps would take me out of the classroom. I probably would think about that now. I think 10 years ago, I was still energized to be in the classroom. Like I tell my wife today, it's I don't think the kids, my students notice it because what they get is Mr. Collins still. But there's definitely an exhaustion that comes over me as I get older. I, I've always been known for having a very high energy classroom. It's not as high energy anymore. Not because I don't want to do it. It's because it tires me out. And it's almost like a pitcher in a baseball game, right? You have to think to yourself, well, I mean, not anymore because they have so many relief pitchers. But in the old days when it was, if you started a baseball game, you were, you were supposed to go to distance. You're supposed to go nine innings. And that's what I have to think about for the school year. How do I get through the school year as I get older? How can I adjust and still give a quality education? How did I get on? Oh, you know how I got on next? I was talking about my ideas have changed. I probably wouldn't want to be a principal. I would take, you know, and why these coaching positions come up, have to come up because I don't know if you know this, parents, but like in my state, New Jersey, the principal's job has been added to and added to. He is like the chief investigator in all bullying incidents. Bullying is a bad thing, and any accusation of bullying needs to be investigated. That's not my point. I'm not dismissing that at all. But by putting that on the principal's plate, there's times where he's dealing with things that are happening outside of school because basically the law puts it back on him, even though the social media messaging happened totally outside of school. So that obviously, you only have so many hours in a day. Where does that take the principal now? What is going to fall off the schedule? One of the areas is working with the faculty, building them up, supporting them. And so these coaching positions started coming, popping up all over school to take some of that burden that's being missed because the principal has other responsibilities. So yeah, I would do that because that's something I enjoy. I enjoy discussing how we go about best reaching kids with our content and being able to coach a teacher or a teacher asks me, hey, what do you think I could do differently? I, I love those discussions. And, I, and we just rarely have them because, again, the principal has other responsibilities. And as teachers, we don't talk about that among ourselves in our back team meetings because we're looking at the tyranny of the urgent. There's a kid in crisis or there's a kid not doing well. And, we, and that's necessary, right? But we never talk about the greater scheme of how do we approach kids in general, even classroom management. How do we approach that in general? Next thing is, I don't believe that a good principal is a micromanager. The more a principal tells a teacher, you must do it this way, what begins to occur is the teacher no longer feels like a professional in the classroom. There's a lack of trust. Now, some of you might say, well, some teachers need that. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a teacher that needs remedial work because maybe they aren't strong. I know when I was a young teacher, like the first principal I ever worked for, a man named Mr. Taylor, he would always pop in my classroom and leave little notes of how I could have done things differently in an encouraging way. And I thought that was awesome. 
okay? He was never scolding, never attacking. He, he saw, like I always say about my first principal, Mr. Taylor, he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. I struggled my first two years, but he saw something there. To, there's, there's some goodness here. There's, there's a good teacher in him. We just have to carve away some of the bad mistakes he makes. And that's what those little encouraging notes were about. The reason I've lasted for 30 years is because of that effort that Mr. Taylor did with me the first two to three years back in Connecticut. So back to micromanaging. You don't want to micromanage. You don't want to have your good teachers feel like you don't feel that they're good teachers. Because then, one, they're going to start questioning if they are. Two, there's a lack of trust. But here's the worst thing about it. There is a lack of initiative. If you're going to tell a teacher you have to do things this way, they're going to be afraid of not of breaking out and trying something new. Something that could be great for your students in your school. You don't want that. You need to trust your teachers. Don't be a micromanager. My current principal, one thing that I think he did great, he, he came in, I think it's maybe his fifth year now. I mean, I gotta be honest, one of the things that, the first things he did that impressed the socks off of me, the first time I met him, I, I went in and introduced myself. And the funny thing was that we knew, because he actually was an assistant principal at the high school that I attended, obviously years later. And, but the athletic director was a baseball teammate of mine back in high school. And he knew the athletic director. So that's how I introduced myself. I said, hey, you know, we know somebody in common. And I explained the connection. And we just laughed and, you know, told stories. I, t- I told him some stories of the kid guy in high school. Of course, he told me stories of him as the athletic director. But what he said to me was, as I, I before all that story and that kind of, good introduction that we had a commonality there we could talk about. Before that even started, when I introduced myself, he said, oh yeah, you teach seventh grade history, you do this, I read your website. And what I've heard from people is that was one of the things that was impressive about him. If you want to be an administrator and you haven't gone to the school's website and checked it out and gotten a feeling of the culture, you better do it. I mean, the information is there, might as well take advantage of it. It shows that you care and really want the position. And not only that, but he recalled mine. So that is key. It showed that he was he wanted to start the ground running from day one. Before he even introduced himself to his staff, he tried to know as much about his staff through the websites that we were putting out for the parents. But the thing that really impressed me was he was coming into a difficult situation. Not because the school was so bad, but the school was doing so well. Like I said, the principal that came in before him was, I think it was 15 years. Beloved principal. They named the gymnasium after the guy. Okay, so think about this. You're a new principal. You're coming into a job where the principal that you're taking over for, who's retiring, they named the gym after the guy, all right? How do you top that? You know, you're not going to knock people off their socks by 
changing the direction of the school. And if you did, people would start questioning it. Think about, I mean, imagine if you came into that school and you said, listen, I want to change everything. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're just going to, I'll tell you what, that person, they would have had a struggle and a fight getting anything done. There would have been resistance. One of the things was that our staff was a veteran staff. I bet you my principal knew that. Just by looking at, probably looking at the information, he's like, oh my gosh, most of these teachers have been here well over a decade. You you can't come into that situation and overturn the apple cart. Now again, if the if there was a lot of deficiencies, that makes sense, but this school didn't have a, a lot of deficiencies. So what he did was he took the year to see what it was like. Instead of saying, hey, we're going to press this, we're going to change that. So instead of demanding our respect by changing everything, he earned our respect by, again, I think it's that whole thing about trust. He trusted us. So if you're a new principal, don't overturn the apple cart. Because I gotta be honest, one especially if you really haven't done your homework, and again the school really isn't in dire straits, and you try to overturn everything. What you're setting yourself up as is, I know everything, you know nothing, you are worthless. I don't trust you right from the start. I don't even know you. I don't trust you. That's the message you're sending. I know that's not what you think you're doing, but that's exactly what you're doing. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, well, how? you're a teacher. How can you have all these opinions about administrators? I'm the best person to talk about administrators. I have been following principles for over 30 years. I know what it, I, I, you know, and some teachers may disagree with me. You know, this is one of the things a principal needs to do and be able to be able to deal with conflict. The best principles I've ever heard about conflict is, and I'll tell you what, the principal I work for now and the guy who we took over for both said the same thing to me. And it's this. You can't take the conflict personally. And that would be tough for me. We had a great guidance counselor years ago. Uh, her husband got transferred, so they left the area. But I remember her coming up to me one time and saying, did you ever think about being in, in administration? And I used to, I mean, it was probably around the same time period I had that diner run. And I was like, um, not really. Why? And she was like, you have the temperament for it. And I believe I told her exactly what I just said. I said, yeah, but I take things too personally. And I think a good principal, good administrator realizes there could be more to the conflict than what you're seeing. What I mean by that is a parent is yelling at you because of how you discipline their child. But it could be very well that the parent is maybe losing their job. And my former principal used to tell me that all the time. He was he, he would say things like, you would be amazed that as, you're, as you start talking to people when you believe the conflict is about A, and you start talking and their guard comes down, they're not as angry anymore, 
you start realizing that a lot of the situation, not all, because some are just, they're just mad, and sometimes justifiably so, So, because parents can be justifiably mad, and as teachers and principals, we need to realize that. But he goes, but there's a lot of times that you realize they're saying they're mad about A, and through talking and trying to de-escalate things, they admit to you, no, you know, really the issue is B, and has nothing to do with school. He goes, you'd be surprised how many times that has occurred over the years. Now, if you're a teacher, this is something that I've always said, and I believe my current principal, principal before him, and even the guy I talked to Mr. Taylor, they're, they're all very good at this. I could always speak my mind, even if it was in disagreement with them. I could ask them to do something. I say, I think this is the direction you should go. They could say no. On that one, I don't take it personally if they say no. You know, here's, I've always said this about teachers. Teachers complain a lot. I think like anybody at any job, they complain a lot about their bosses, right? And teachers do too. They, teachers are passionate about, a lot of teachers I know are passionate about what they do. They want to deliver quality education. They, they want to have a classroom that is safe for everybody. So they want to make sure that kids are behaved well so they don't infringe upon another kid's right to learn and right to learn without being bullied or annoyed, right? By rudeness, general rudeness. It may not be bullying, just general rudeness. And they might go to a principal and say, hey, we should do this, that, and the other thing. And the principal says, well, we'll only do this. Or maybe we won't do any of that. I, I just don't. And they get mad. They get so mad. But I want to tell you something. Become a principal if you want to make the shots. The principal's job is to make the decisions, right? So if you want to make the decisions, become a principal. Like I said, for me, I appreciate that my principals allow me to speak my mind, even if it's in disagreement with them. But that appreciation doesn't end if they tell me no or they tell me I'm wrong. I think in that case, I don't take it personally. Again, I realize they play a different role than me and they're going to be the ones held accountable for the decision that is made for the best of the school. Now, if you're a parent and you're going in with a complaint to the principal, about something. I think you need to go in with the same attitude. You have to understand that the principal is seeing the whole picture and there are things that he cannot share with you, specifically about other students. So be kind. Always work with kindness rather than make a principal's defenses go up. State your case, no matter how angry you are, state your case. Here is why it's wrong. Do it rationally. And I think you'll get a lot farther a lot faster. People are more willing, in general, people are more willing to help when they you're saying something rationally and they're like, huh, this parent has a point. Yeah, their child was basically screwed in that situation. Let me see what I can do to help them. Rather than turn it into a fight where the fences are up and, they, and what the principal now is doing is they have to knock down all your hyperbole, all your vulgarities to get to the root of the problem. Instead of just saying rationally, here's the root of my problem. So I think there is something for even parents to learn as well about approaching the principal. One thing, parents, if you're listening, 
go up the chain of command. If you have a problem in a, in a teacher's classroom, start with the teacher. If you don't appreciate or you don't feel you've gotten the answer you want or there's still concerns, then you go to the principal. But not before, don't go over a teacher. Trust me, as a teacher, teachers hate that. Because like I, I've always told people, you don't want to go to the principal first because what happened in that teacher's classroom, the principal has no clue about. What's going to happen is the principal's going to go to me and ask me, hey, I got an email from so-and-so. What's going on? It, it's going to take a longer to get your response, especially if when you hear the response from the principal after talking to me, and you're like, oh, my, my child misunderstood that. Okay, that's okay. I'm not mad at the teacher anymore. You could have gotten that answer a lot quicker if you went to the source first, right? Last thing I want to talk about before I end this episode in terms of what makes a good admin. And I'm going to be honest here. And this again, I've been teaching for 30 years and this is not a knock on young teachers. But there are young teachers who come out of teaching colleges. Their goal is never really to be a teacher. They want to change the world and become an administrator. The best principals I ever worked for spent a decade or more in the classroom. Like I said earlier about in the business world, there's a, you know, there's a difference between, you know, getting promoted because you're doing such a good job. It just is different in education. There are teachers and there are administrators. However, one of the things that made it, makes a good administrator is someone who knows the ins and outs of the classroom. It's hard to tell a teacher like me what I should be doing differently in the classroom when most of it, your experience as an administrator is, for, is theoretical. Because you've been in the classroom for two or three years and you went right for your administrator license and now you're an assistant principal and now you're telling me what's best in the classroom it kind of seems disingenuous. I gotta be honest. That's my feeling. And I know I'm not the only teacher that feels that way. Um, a friend of mine who went very quickly from teaching right into administration, I, he shared with me one time, I, I told him that, I, I told him my view on it. And after a few years, he said, you know, I think there's some truth to that. It would have better. It would have helped me to understand the classroom more and the struggles that my teachers are going through, if I had spent a few more years in the classroom. Because again, teaching is different than the business world. And to be honest, like when I'm on Twitter, that's some of the teachers. It's called Edu Twitter. It's a big teachers community, and I think I've shared this with you. And a lot of the everyday teachers will complain about these, we call them like edu, the edu rock stars. These are the teachers that have like 20,000 followers on Twitter. People will quote them. And then you find out they haven't been in the classroom like 20 years. They're not even in administration. They're not even in a school. They're teaching college courses. And again, it's now turned to all theoretical. At least a principal who is telling you things, at least they're still active in a school. And schools have changed in 20 years. I've been in school for over 20 years. I've been in school for 30 years. Things have changed. Just, just 
the whole advent of the computer and that every kid in my classroom has a computer now is very different than in the 90s when I didn't even have a computer in my classroom. So sometimes some of these edu rock stars will put out like mandates, like saying, you must do this, or if you do this, you are wrong. And there's a lot of us will say, what are you talking about? You have no clue. You haven't been in a classroom or even a school, and college doesn't count. And I think that's a very similar to the very young person who, again, gets out of teaching college, gets a job, one, two years, they're an administrator. You know, it's great when you sit down with one of your administrators and you can talk about what's going on in your classroom and they say, you know, that reminds me when I was a teacher. And you know that it's authentic because you know they've been a teacher for more than five years. So if you're young and your plan is to be an administrator, if you want to be a good one, do the time in the classroom. Really know, be known as a great teacher. It'll make you a better administrator. Now, the last thing I want to bring up to wrap things up, and I know I think I said that before. One of the things I told you about the administrator, the principal I had, who retired after 15 years, they named the gym after him, right? I want to, if you're a principal listening to this right now, or if you're a teacher who knows a principal that needs to hear this, I want to tell you the best thing about him, what he did better than anybody else. When he first started the job, he would see me in the hallway and he'd go, oh, there's Mr. Cullen, best teacher in the state. Then he would say to me, like, you know, after, there's Mr. Cullen, best teacher in the country. And finally, I remember one day I'm in his office, we're talking, oh, Mr. Cullen, best teacher in the country. And I say, yeah, yeah, okay, listen. And then he said, what, you don't believe me? And I go, no, I stopped believing you. A couple of weeks ago when you said I was the best teacher in the country and when I turned the corner I heard you say oh Mrs. Jones best teacher in the country I go we can't both be the best teacher in the country and he laughed he goes but you are and I gotta be honest it wasn't that we were or weren't the best teachers in the country that's not what it was about it was that he treated us like the best teachers in the country. And what I mean by that is it wasn't that he said yes to everything. It was the fact that he listened to us. He valued our opinions. It was the fact that if there was something going on in our personal lives, he wanted to know. And if there was something he could do to help, he did. Like I said in the beginning, he was the guy that you could never work harder than. If any man wanted to do what's best for kids in that school, it was him. And it was hard, if he asked you to do something a little extra, it was hard to say no when he knew that he was already doing it. If there was anything he could do to make your job in reaching the students of his school better, he would try his best to provide that for you. So when he opened up a faculty meeting and he said to all of us, how are the best teachers in the United States doing today? We didn't take it trivially because we knew he meant it. Thank you for joining me on the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parenting have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, 
please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, a good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students, their children, deeply. Thank you.